0: And thank you guys. We're in a sermon series called Discovering Joy. We've been working through the book of Philippians, verse by verse. This week we're going to be in chapter three, and today we're going to be talking about five daily habits uh, for happiness. Uh, we celebrate the Fourth of July this weekend. One of the basic rights that we celebrate as Americans is the right to the pursuit of happiness. And I just want to tell you if you will pursue these five habits, your happiness will increase. And your unhappiness will decrease and you will discover joy. So what are the habits? Let's march right in here to Philippians chapter 3. Paul models these habits for us here. Number one, every day, make it a habit to relax in God's grace. The first thing to do if you want to be a happy person is every day relax in God's grace. Don't try to earn God's approval. Don't try to earn His love. Just relax in God's grace. Now, here's what most people miss about the Bible and Christianity. The Bible is not about what you must do for God. The Bible is not about what you shouldn't do in order to please God. The Bible is about what God has already done for you. That's the difference. That's the difference. If you think, I've got to do something good to make God love me, you're going to lose your happiness. Now, the Bible is full of instructions, even commands, that God gives us. But God isn't telling us to do those things in order to get God to love us. God is telling us to do those things because He already loves us. He's telling us to do those things. The commands, the instructions, they're there for our benefit. We live better lives when we obey God and do what He's telling us. They're not there so that we can clean ourselves up enough to be acceptable to God. God loved us enough to die for us when we were sinners, when we were apart from him. The Bible says we were enemies of God when Christ died for us. I mean, how much more could he love us if he was willing to die for us then? So Christianity is not about what you do in yourself to please God. Teresa's just saying, rid me of myself. It's about what God has done to free you from yourself. It's not about you. It's about Christ. Philippians 3.3, 3, Paul clearly says, he says, we Christians glory in what Jesus has done. Circle has done. It's past tense, on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. We Christians glory in what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we realize that we are helpless to save ourselves. We're helpless to save ourselves. We're not going to become good enough to get into heaven just not going to happen. Message paraphrase says we couldn't carry this off by our own effort, and we know it. We know it. Now, one of the traps that will rob you of your joy is the trap of self-reliance. If you're going to rely on yourself, if you are going to trust in self-effort to get you good enough to prove yourself to God, it's just going to suck the joy right out of your life. Too many people think, if I'm just good enough, if I just keep the Ten Commandments, then I'll be good enough to get into heaven and gain God's approval. It's not going to happen. You know, if that's that's true, then why can't most of us even name the Ten Commandments? I mean, I asked last night, I won't embarrass you guys, last night I said, how many of you name the Ten Commandments? And I had some hands go up, and then I said, in order, and all the hands went down. I mean, mean, if we're depending on that goodness to get us into heaven, you'd think we could at least, you know, name them. Uh, I was talking to an atheist one time, and he was trying to, convinced me that he was good enough he didn't need a savior and he actually said I'm a good person I keep the 10 commandments and I said you're an atheist the first four commandments are all about god you can't be keeping those and then I said have you uh, ever disrespected your parents yes have you ever lied yes have you ever stolen something yes you ever coveted your neighbor's boat yes you ever looked lustfully after a woman yes finally he just blurted out i never killed anybody I thought, well, there we're setting the bar high. (laughs) So I told him, Jesus said that if you've been angry with someone, you've committed murder in your heart. See, the truth is, we're not as good as we think we are. And we're certainly not good enough to get into heaven on our own merit. It's just never going to happen. Paul says in verse 3, he says, Before I became a Christian, I was trying to earn heaven through my own effort through rituals, through my race, through religion, through rules, through reputation, and it wasn't working. He says, in legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. But self-effort, self-reliance doesn't lead to salvation, and it doesn't lead to joy and happiness. I mean, you you don't see happy legalists. And when you're trying to get into heaven on your own merit, when you think you have to keep all the rules in order to be good enough, when it's all about you instead of Christ, it just sucks the joy out of your life. And when you finally realize, there's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore, it just brings in a joy from that grace that is just liberating. Verse 9, Paul says, I no longer count on my own goodness, and I no longer count on my own ability to obey God's law. Instead, I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself is through faith. See, the the way you you earn the, the approval of God, the way you earn heaven is not through performance, it's through pardon. It's through God's grace. It's through what Jesus Christ has already done. That's why in the Greek, the word for joy and the word for grace come from the same root. Uh, Joy is kara, grace is caris. They come from the same root, because when there's grace, there's joy. So the first habit, every day, relax in God's grace. God's got this. Just trust in Him for it. Second habit, remember what matters most. I need to remember, I need to remind myself what counts, what doesn't, what matters, what doesn't, what's important, what's unimportant. Now, why do I need to do that? Because every day, it's the small things, it's the little irritations that come in and rob you of your joy. It's the small day-to-day things that crowd out the eternal. And if you're just living, if you're just trying to get through the day, you're not really living, you're just surviving. You're just existing. So if you want to be a happy person, Paul says in Philippians 3, 7, you've got to remember what matters most. He says, all the things that I once thought were so important to me, I now consider worth nothing because of Christ. All the things that I once thought were so important to me. What were the things that you thought were so important to you before you came to Jesus Christ? Your work, your career, your money, family, house, car, a hobby, a sport. You know, Paul says, all those things, they're just not important to me anymore. All the things that drive the self, all the things that feed the ego, they're just not that important anymore. You know, how do you know when you've really given your life to Jesus Christ? Well, your values change. You can't have something as big as God come into your life and not have it change your values. Paul says, all those things I used to think were important, I don't care about them anymore. Now, the things Paul is discounting here are not bad things. It's not that Paul says, when I gave my life to Christ, I gave up all this bad behavior. No, the things that he gave up, he says, even the good things of this world hold no allure to me. Because here's the problem. God and the world are at odds with one another. Church and culture are at odds with one another. God is headed one way, the world's headed another. The church is headed one way, our culture is headed another. So here's the trap. The trap is popular culture. The trap is the world around us that we live in. It is at odds with God. And every day, there are just thousands of messages that are coming. There is just a pressure in the world. Sometimes it's blatant. Sometimes it's subliminal. You aren't worth anything unless you've got their product. You aren't worth anything unless you have their stuff. You aren't worth anything if you don't have this image, if you don't project this attitude. It just everything is just oh even television news makes every news story like it's it's the most important thing of the day breaking news cat in a tree at thirty third and <laughs> you know not every news story is newsworthy there's nothing more worthless than yesterday's newspaper I mean you wrap fish in it you put it in the kitty litter box. You know The world tells you that because it's immediate, because it's current, it's important. And that's not necessarily true. The urgent and the immediate are not necessarily more important. And so every day, you've got to ask yourself, everything you're doing, how much will this matter? How much will this matter in five years? How much will this matter in a hundred years? How much will this matter in eternity? You need to live. God's children live in light of eternity. Jesus Christ gives us an eternal life. And it starts right now. Everybody, everything around you is constantly telling you that the petty and the trivial are important. And we're living our lives for things that aren't going to matter. Our lives are being consumed by things that won't last the week. That's why everybody's in such a panic. That's why they lose their joy. Because they're pursuing trivial things. God calls us to live with eternity's values in view. Paul says, all the things I used to think were important, they're worth nothing because of Christ. Verse 8, he says, yes, everything else is worthless compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Look at that. Worthless versus priceless. Which one are you pursuing? Are you chasing what's worthless or are you pursuing what's priceless? He says, I've discarded everything else. I count it all as garbage. Circle the word garbage so that I may have Christ and become one with him. You know, all the stuff you're chasing in the world, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Now, I'll I'll admit, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do every day. There's a lot of stuff that's just daily, that's maintenance. And there are a lot of things that you need in order to live decently. I'm not telling you to to take a vow of poverty, move into a shack, and, and not have anything nice. I'm just saying you need to view all this stuff with an eternal perspective. You need to view your house, your job, your car, your hobbies, even your marriage and your family. You need to view all of those things as tools, as opportunities to be used to accomplish what will last. The Bible tells us that this life is preparation for eternity. And your marriage is not eternal. Your family is not eternal. Jesus says that when you get to, get to heaven, you won't be married. In heaven, there is no marriage. Nobody's giving and taking in marriage. When, when you get to heaven, even parent-child relationships will be different. You know, the, the relationships we have here are earthly images, earthly shadows of the eternal relationships that we're going to have with God and Christ in heaven. You know, in, in heaven, Christ is the bridegroom. The church is the bride of Christ. In heaven, you'll be married to Christ. In heaven, God is the Father and we are the children. We're the children of God. And our earthly relationships foreshadow those eternal relationships. That's what makes the earthly ones so important. That's why it's so important that we get these right because of what they picture. So every day you've got to stop and realize what's really important, what's eternal. And if you do, you'll be more satisfied and you'll have more joy. Because you're pursuing what will last rather than panicking and pursuing what's fleeting. Third habit, get to know Jesus better. You start every morning when you wake up, you say, Lord, if I don't get anything else done today, I want to know you better and I want to love you more. Every day, I want to get to know you better and love you more. Because you were made to live in relationship with God. If I think I can be joyful without getting to know God better, if I think I can be joyful without fulfilling the number one purpose for which I was made, I'm fooling myself. I mean, where is joy found in our lives? It's found in fulfilling the very purpose for which we were made, getting to know God better. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering becoming like him in his death so that somehow I may be raised to life. You know, I want to know Christ. It's the difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. That's a big difference. I mean, I know about Justin Bieber. I know about Kim Kardashian. In fact, I know more about those people than I want to. Okay, I know about them. I don't know them. But I know my wife, I know my kids, I I know my friends, I know many of you here. I know Jesus Christ because I have a relationship with Him. I'm in relationship with Him. Paul says, I I know Christ because I am pursuing Christ. I love this in the Amplified Version. Let's read this out loud together. Let's read this just a little slowly here. Let's just, just dig into this. For my determined purpose is that I may know Christ that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more strongly and more clearly. Wow. There's an assignment for the day. I mean, you don't get to know Jesus Christ by accident. You get to know Christ when it becomes a determined purpose in your life. And your relationship with God is not going to grow unless you not only spend, unless you invest time in Him. You don't grow a relationship without investing time in that relationship. So if we're talking about investing time with Christ, what's the trap? Well, the trap is busyness. The trap is busyness. We just get too busy, and busyness destroys relationships. It destroys the relationships between a husband and wife, between parents and kids. It destroys our relationship with God. To get to know Jesus, you have got to spend time with him. Every day, you've just got to, you've got to develop a habit of just setting aside some moments in the day where you're not busy, where you be still and know that I am God. Let's do it right now. I'm going to show you how to do this. Just everybody, just close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and hold it. And then let it out Slowly. And just relax your body. Just relax your body. And now we're going to just think about a Bible verse here. Romans 13, 14 says, Clothe yourself with the presence of Christ. Just clothe yourself in the presence of Christ. You feel that? God's got this. God's got the universe in His hands. You don't have to hang on to it. You don't have to control it. You can just relax, be still, know that God is God. And you can open your eyes. Now, for some of you, that was a little weird. Okay? For some of you, that's the most relaxed you've been in days. And probably for most of us, our happiness just went up. I mean, you relieve that tension. You let God be God. I mean, it'll do things for you. You just need to do that. Make it a habit. Number four, every day, I need to review where I need to grow. Every day, I take my spiritual pulse. Every day, I do a spiritual checkup. I say, Lord, where do I need to grow? What do I need to work on? What area am I weak? Where am I, where am I strong? And a good verse to use for this is Psalm 139, 23. Let's read it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, and know my thoughts. See if there is anything evil or wicked in my life and lead me in the way that's everlasting. There's that eternal life thing again. You know, lead me in the way that's everlasting. That's why he asked God to test you. That's why he ask him to try you, to know your thoughts, to see what's, what's bad, what needs to be changed, so you can live that eternal life that God promises you. We're not just living for today. We're living for forever. And following Jesus is a decision that starts a process that lasts forever. Now, you can't follow anything without movement. You can't follow someone without walking, without making progress. Following Jesus is a decision followed by a process that makes progress. Now, a lot of people make the decision for Jesus Christ, but they don't continue to make any progress. They just say, yeah, I trust Jesus for my salvation, and then they don't grow from there. They don't move on in the process. It's like the mom who heard a thud in the middle of the night, went down to her son's bedroom, found out he'd fallen out of bed. She said, how'd you do that? He said, I stayed too close to where I got in. Too many Christians do that. You stay too close to where you got in. You're saved, but you're not growing. You're not making progress in the process of the Christian life. Philippians 3.12, Paul talks about this fourth habit. He says, I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I still haven't learned all I should, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I'm still not all I should be. I mean, here's Paul. He's an apostle, a missionary, a church planner. The guy wrote half the New Testament. He says, I'm still not all I should be. You know, he says, I, I've got to keep making progress. He says, I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. That's what God wants. He wants you to be all he saved you for. He wants you to become like Christ, to become the person that he, that he desires for you. So what's the trap? The trap is complacency. I get complacent about my spiritual growth. I get content. I settle for where I'm at and I stop progressing. Now you need to understand that Satan's number one goal is to keep people out of heaven. His number one goal is to keep people out of heaven and to populate hell. That's his goal. And when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, he has lost that battle. When you believe in Christ, you're on your way to heaven. There's nothing he can do about that. So the next, he's not done with you, the next thing he tries to do in your life is he tries to stop the process of growth. He tries to stagnate your spiritual growth. Because if he can do that, he can rob you of the rewards that you will receive in heaven. And that will cheat God out of his glory. Because the rewards you and I receive in heaven uh, aren't aren't about us. They're a reflection of God's glory. That's why God wants us to become all he made us to be. Because he's the one who made us to be it. And it glorifies him. Satan doesn't want you to live a purpose-driven life down here and he doesn't want you to receive any rewards in heaven. And so when you become a believer, his next task is to convince you to stop growing. To stop pursuing The life that God has for you. And one of the most dangerous myths that Satan ever got out there is the myth that all that matters is that you're going to heaven. All that matters is that you get into the gate. doesn't matter how many rewards you get. Oh, striving for rewards, that's all about you, that's all about yourself. Uh, Humble people don't do that. It'll just be enough if you can just get in the gate. That's a dangerous myth. And it cheats believers out of becoming all that God wants them to be. And it robs God of the glory that He destined us for. I mean, honestly, the fact that you become a Christian is crucial. But it's also important that you grow as a Christian. The goal is not just to get you in the gate of heaven. The goal is to experience all that heaven has to offer. And that doesn't happen automatically. It happens as a result, as a reward for the way that you live here. But too many believers are content to accept Christ and then settle for worldly rewards rather than pursuing heavenly ones. How many of you have been to Disneyland, Disney World? How many of you have had the Disney experience? Anybody been there? Put them way up so we can see them here. Yeah, bunches of you have. So we, you'll get this. You'll get this. Do you know anyone who approaches the Disney experience with the attitude, it'll just be enough for me to get through the gate. It'll just be enough for me to be there. I mean, you see, you know, you go to Disneyland, you see hundreds of people just sitting on benches right inside the gate going, I'm just happy to be in the gate. No. Nobody's content to go to Disneyland and sit on a bench inside the gate. I mean, to get there and say, oh, I don't need to ride any of the rides. I don't need to see any of the attractions. I don't need to eat any of the food. It's just enough to be here. If that's your attitude, you need special help. Okay. Why do we have the attitude that it's just enough to accept Jesus Christ? To get my heavenly fire insurance so I don't go to hell and then spend no time growing or storing up treasure in heaven. I mean, that kind of thinking does not make sense. In fact, it doesn't come from the Bible. It's right out of the pit of hell. It it is Satan's attempt to cheat you out of your rewards and rob God of his glory. So every day, you need to ask yourself, where do I need to keep growing? What do I need to do to keep striving and moving forward toward the prize, the rewards, the benefits that God has for me in heaven so I can bring more glory to God? That's what God wants you to do. And if you do it, it'll drive Satan crazy. 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says this. He says, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence. You've got to see the fruit. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. He says, you've got to test this out. You've got to check it out. Make sure that you're a believer. Are you bearing fruit? And if you've grown stagnant in your Christian life, he says, do something about it. Don't become complacent in your spiritual growth. Make it a habit to grow every day. You won't regret it. Number four, or five, I'm sorry. Fifth habit. Every day, forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Every day, you have to stop and forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Because your past is past. It's over. It's done. And you cannot go back and change it. Now, now I get this. I, I get this. You have been hurt in the past. And I'm sorry for that. I mean, as your pastor, as somebody who loves the people in this church, who prays for the people in this church, I mean, I see your prayer requests. I mean, I see the pain here. I mean, we, we have been physically abused and spiritually abused and sexually abused and financially abused. I mean, there is pain in our lives. And I get that. And I pray about that. And God gets that. And God feels your pain with you. But happiness requires you letting go of that pain. You know, you, see, you can either hold on to your pain or you can reach for what God has for you. But you can't do both. You can't hold on to the pain and reach for what God has for you next. And so you've got to choose to let go of the pain. Happiness involves learning to forget rather than regret. Here's what Paul says, verse 13. He says, I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize. For which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Paul says, focusing all my energies. You know, you only have a limited amount of energy. That's why you get tired, fatigued, and worn out. Because you don't have an unlimited supply of energy. Physically, spiritually, or emotionally. You're a human being. Your supply of energy is limited. So do not waste it on things that you can't change. I mean, do you want to change the past? Yes. Can you? no so don't waste your energy on the past you've got to use your emotional energy on today you've got to use your emotional energy to move forward to to what God has for you now here's the trap the the trap is regret and resentment regret and resentment are two sides of the same coin regret is the stuff that I did that I wish I would have done differently Regret is the guilt and shame and and what I carry about what I did to other people. Resentment is the unforgiveness and the bitterness that I have toward people who've hurt me. See the two sides there? One is what I've done. One is what's been done to me. Regret, resentment. And if you waste emotional energy on that, you are going to lose your happiness. It is going to rob you of your joy. I mean, holding on to regret, when you can't change anything, it just doesn't make any sense. Holding on to resentment, resentment doesn't affect the person who hurt you at all. In fact, while you're resenting them, they're out eating a steak dinner. They may not even know they hurt you. It has no impact on them at all. You've got to let it go. If you want to be happy, Isaiah 43, 18, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Every day, open your eyes and say, God, your mercies are new today. Your grace is sufficient. What's the new thing you want me to do today? What's the new thing that you want me to move into? Now, if you'll do these five habits, your happiness will go up, your unhappiness will go down, and you will discover joy. How do you build these these habits into your life? Let me give you just a little tip. It's just something you can try just this week. Take this outline that you have just filled out, fold it up, and stick it in your pocket. And then through the week, during the day, just pull this thing out and read over it. Meditate on these verses. Familiarize yourself with these verses. Claim these verses. Just stop every day and just say, Oh man, I've got to relax in God's grace. I'm relying on myself here. Uh, every day, I've got to remember what's important. Is what I'm working on now, what I'm fretting about, is that going to last for eternity? Or am I just getting sucked into the popular culture? You know, every day, you've got to learn. To, to. I want to know Jesus better. God, show me something new about yourself today. You know, every day, you want to forget the past and, 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 and move toward the future. And just build that in as a habit in your life and watch your happiness increase. Let's pray together. I'd invite you to pray in the quietness of your own mind. Just say, God, help me to learn to relax in your grace every day. To not try to earn your love, but to realize you've already loved me enough to die for me. How much more could you love me, God? And so I just want to live by grace. Lord, help me to focus every day on what matters most. To not spend time, to not waste my life worrying about things that won't matter a week from now, let alone forever help me to live with eternity's values in view and god i want to make getting to know jesus better the number one goal of my life every day i want to know you a little bit better i want to love you a little bit more i want to invest time in you god help me to do a spiritual checkup to realize the areas where i need to grow because I want to grow purposely, progressively to become more and more like you. God, I want to rack up those rewards in heaven because it brings glory to you, the one who made me. God, help me to forget the past. I haven't lived like this in the past. God, forgive me. Help me to forget it. Help me to pursue a new walk with you in the future. Give me eyes every day for the new thing you want to do in my life. God, help me to enjoy life together with you. If you're here today and you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never received that eternal life that he offers you, this is your moment. Just say, God, please forgive me of my sins. Grant me your grace. Give me that eternal, abundant life that Jesus promises. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. God, help me to follow you, to move with you, to become all that you've made me to be. For we ask it in Jesus' name.